Hi everyone, thanks for joining us for this episode of On The Defence. Today, we're privileged to be in conversation with Drew Unsworth. Drew has two decades worth of extensive experience in banking and digital transformation. This has included building some of ComBank digital assets like NetBank, and he's also helped Zero double their customers. Drew was also executive of digital delivery at National Australia Bank, and he even gave Westpac business customers better access to tools to help them grow and manage their businesses. Currently, Drew is advising teams that are working towards making banking safer. With the government investing almost $600 million towards implementing six cyber shields, what are your thoughts on its key pillars that include informed citizenry and informed business sector, safe technology, world-class threat sharing and blocking, reliable critical infrastructure and sovereign capability? Sure. Yeah, thanks for talking me up. I'm not too sure if I can cover all the things that you uh, you mentioned there. Um, but I do actually reckon it's worth reading. So to be honest, I was a bit of a sceptic when I first saw it because you often see some of these documents and they have their, their three horizons and in this case it's got their six shields and I think there's nearly 60 action items in it. But I would actually urge people to actually sit down and, and give it some time and, and actually spend the time to read it. It's, it's not not that hard to read. Uh, because I think there's some really useful things in there. What I'm most pleased about, so from my experiences in banking, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time protecting consumers, but we could only do so much. And what I like about this particular document is it mm-hmm. actually takes it further. So, yeah. you know, there's a couple of pillars there that, that I think are, are particularly useful. The one around the critical infrastructure I think is really important because that's something that as a bank we've never actually had to have responsibility for. And the other one is around um, data protection, um, and that's mm. under safe technology because if you think about some of the, the data losses that we've had and then the downstream effect of those data losses, I think having a focus on that is, is really good. Yeah. But I just would wrap it up that it's probably worth people just finding it online and reading it and sort of just getting a, a lens of what the government's trying to achieve. You know, cybersecurity is such a scary thing for some people because it's not something we've had to, like, you know, educate ourselves on before all of these attacks have happened. It's not really an interest that somebody picks up and go, okay, well, I'm going to read up about this and in my spare time. I absolutely hear what you're saying. I guess there's two lenses, right? If if you're Joe Public and you're just leading your life every day and you're going, doing your shopping with your credit card and using your mobile phone, you probably don't need to read it. But if you're sitting there running a business and that business is paying suppliers and if that business has data and that business is is active, then you probably are, it's worth your while to, to spend some time reading and learning about it. Because if you don't spend your time reading and learning about it, you're going to be the one that's caught out. So you're going to be the one who, who could be attacked and no one wants to be in that position. Specifically for CFOs, because um, under the CFO umbrella, they're managing so many aspects of a business, and that includes risk. Cybersecurity now is definitely a huge risk for all businesses, as we've seen. In your years of experience in banking and technology, how would you tackle it if it was up to you and you were a CFO or like in that position advising a CFO? I think there's a few different lenses to take. I think the first lens is about having the right partners in your organisation. So when you think about your technology teams, are they partners or are they order takers? And as soon as someone becomes an order taker, the level of work and the quality of their work drops dramatically. 
Mm-hmm. So my first recommendation, and this is something that I applied with a lot of the stuff that we did at ComBank and NAB and Westpac and Zero, was to actually make them partners. And by making mm-hmm. them partners, they become accountable. So that's the first thing. And the partners could be a tech teams. They could be a risk partners as well because they actually have a very active role and there's probably a few others who are, are going to leave out. Mm-hmm. So then having got those partners, the next thing to think about is what's your 90-day plan look like? So what are the risks? And, you know, if you go back and read the document we referred to previously, you'll see what some of the risks are there. So identify what the risks are. And just like the government's got a, a five-year plan, I think you should be doing a 90-day plan so that you've got something that's immediate that you can work on and make everyone accountable for. And then the other things I think about is just make sure you've got transparency. So with those people you're working with, make sure you've got transparency so that they feel they feel like they're sharing everything with you and that you're engaged with them too. So there's no point being the person who turns up at a Zoom meeting uh, with the screen off and you're surfing the internet. You actually have to engage with a lot of these people as well. Business cyber resilience is a key message of the Australian cyber security strategy. From your extensive experience in banking and finance, how do you see government and industry working together? Yeah, so if you read the document that the government released, they're actually going to use legislation. So mm. it's going to, they said it's going to be a light touch legislation, but they're absolutely going to be used legislation to help them deal with this issue. So it's not going to be something that sort of, is that people are going to be not accountable for. If you look at what happens today in banking, there's a huge amount of connectivity between the banks and the government as Mm. far as what's required of banks, how they're supposed to operate. And that actually comes under a lot of scrutiny. So, you know, every year the CEOs of the four major banks actually have to go in front of the House of Reps for the, Mm. I think it's the Economic Standing Committee. So they're held accountable. Now that's got a very broad remit. So cyber can actually be included of the remit that the CEOs would have to report from the banks to the the House of Representatives. Now, if you then extend that, because if you look at what they're talking about, they're talking about taking it further than banking, then a lot of people are going to be held accountable. And that's not a bad thing. So I think there's going to be a good level of accountability. There's going to be a good level of coordination between them. And I think with any of these things, the devil's going to be in the detail. So how well do various businesses respond to the government? How well do they execute on those plans? Because one of my observations is that not all organisations are created equal. So quite often you get a bank, for example, you know, there's some great banks out there who can do some great stuff, but they don't all do it at the same level of quality. So I think when when we're responding to what the government's asking us to do, how do we make sure that everyone actually is responding at the same level of quality? Yeah, so I guess it's like a uniform approach, basically, heading that way and achieving a certain level of standard, I guess. 100%. You know, what would your biggest piece of advice to CFOs who are concerned about the growing cybersecurity threats at the moment? I think what I alluded to earlier, which is actually just to lift up your base knowledge. So read something. There's a whole lot of great information out there. There's a whole lot of great information on from the government on cyber.gov.au, which has got some great data points on there. You've got the report that we talked about with the six shields. Mm-hmm. Um, even listen to a podcast, like one of the ones I've just listened to is a Lazarus Heist. Mm. It's a fascinating podcast on fraud and, and the way people attack businesses. And, and it's a really easy listen. It's pretty addictive. Yeah. So the Lazarus Heist, I'd highly recommend to read. And then there's other places you can get data from. So think about people like Fshore, for example, who I'm helping out. You know, they've got some great data sources. 
So, you know, the first step is to get as much information as possible to help lift your level of, uh, of knowledge. Then, as we said before, try to get the right people yeah. around you to support you and have that action plan to actually make something happen. Yeah. Cyber criminals are getting really creative and some of the scams out there are very sophisticated. I mean, BECs, phishing and remote access scams have been around for a while, but I think, I guess the spotlight has increased people's awareness. You know, a company could get attacked and it's, the effect is just, it's just a ripple effect, isn't it, for everybody? 100%. I think that it's a downstream impacts of this. So you, you talk about things like business email compromise, and I think we know a lot about it because we're in the industry, but I think if you consider the average accounts payable person sitting in the average company mm-hmm. with potentially average intelligence, I'm not too sure where they're going to be across the detail that we're across. And I think that's one of the biggest risks because the, the fraudsters, it's a very asymmetric threat. Mm. The fraudsters are very sophisticated. Listen to the Lazarus Heist, you'll see the level of education they've got. And those people are up against someone whose day job is to pay bills. They're, they're not trained professionals on cyber. They're just trained to actually make sure that supplies get paid and they're happy. And that's a problem. Yeah. You've got to double check um, who you're paying these days as well. I was reading the news a couple of weeks ago and, you know, an elderly couple wanted to downsize and paid, you know, a deposit for a smaller home, but it somehow got intercepted and, you know, I guess the funds are gone. 100%. Yep. Those stories occur every day. And again, go to cyber.gov and and look at the reporting they've got from last year and Mm. see the amount of money that's stolen from, and you talked about consumers. Yeah. The amount of money stolen from businesses as well. And what I found really interesting is that big, big businesses, the amount is stolen is actually smaller than medium-sized businesses. The medium-sized businesses are the ones that are actually impacted the most. So I guess really large businesses can put some controls in place. Really small businesses have less to lose, but there's that middle ground of people who aren't big enough to actually have the right level of protection but are big enough to lose a lot of money. Yeah, okay. With emerging technology and, you know, increasing cyber threats like AI, how would you, like, go about mitigating stuff like that too? The first thing I I need to say is that I'm not an expert on everything. Um, (laughs) What I spent my life doing is actually helping customers move money around. Mm -hmm. um, So there's lots of areas that I'm not an expert on. So I'll stick it, stick to what I know and make sure that people think this is not an exclusive, you know, this is not the, <laughs> the full answer. So okay. There's other work that I need to do to get the rest of the answers. There's probably going to be other podcasts that will cover that. But I do think there's some lots of simple things you can do, you know. Make sure you have um, complex passwords. Make sure you don't have the same password across different services. Make sure that um, you don't share your password in, in an organisation. I mean, you know, the number of people who have shared passwords in companies is crazy. It's always welcome zero one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I did have one password similar to that from a previous organisation. <laughs> and every month I changed it from one to two to, to three two? to four. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm guilty I, too. <laughs> yeah, but I don't do that with my important stuff. I'm just saying Yeah, of now. course. The other thing is if you're in a company, make sure that when, you, when people leave, you exit them out of all your systems. You know, make sure you exit them not out of the HR systems but also out of the banking systems. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of important stuff there. Um, make sure you have the right level of reporting on the, that you're using to actually look for anomaly, anomalies. 
So I think there's a lot of a lot you can do that are simple things that'll actually help you now. And then the other part of my advice is, is then to get advice from people. Make sure that you're actually speaking to people that can help you solve some of some of the other problems that are just a bit too hard to solve. On the flip side, what makes you optimistic or excited about the ways that emerging technology can make finance and accounts payable processes safer and more efficient? I somehow feel that's a Dorothy Dix question, but <laughs> I will answer it to mm-hmm. the best of my ability. I, I do think there's a vast amount of data that organisations can take advantage of to make payments safer. Absolutely. And you see it today, you see it both with ComBank um, with their name check and Westpac's version of that. And what was interesting about ComBank is they actually took their data and they've released it to, I think, um, Bendigo Bank. So Bendigo Bank can make it safe for their consumer customers. So then I think about companies like Fshore who've got, you know, also a huge amount of data and how they can actually consume through the APIs of, of people like ComBank even more data to make it richer. So I think this collaboration of data is going to be very, very good. I think it's actually going to make Australia safer because we don't want the criminals to call Australia home. Some naysayers might be going, oh, okay, we're going to be you know, the world class leading the world in cybersecurity. I mean, there's always going to be naysayers. But I, you know what? To be honest, the, the optimistic person in me, I'm thinking, well, that's not a bad thing to be aiming for, actually. Yeah, well, the reason why the criminals love Australia is we're super efficient. We've got, a, we've got an efficient banking system. You know, we've got a good currency. We've got people who are probably very positive, so they'll click on most things. So, you know, I think Australians, you know, they're, they're relatively compliant, as we saw in COVID. That's what makes us attractive. But also those same attributes can actually make us better organised to respond to some of these threats. Yeah. So, you know, the reason why we're an attractive current country the fraudsters is also going to help us actually respond better, I believe. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's a grassroots approach that would work best, as in, you know, we are trying to educate everybody on cyber safety. You know, those basic things could actually prevent bigger damage. I think it works at two levels. I absolutely believe that businesses and consumers need to be accountable for their own actions. Mm -hmm. Um, So they need to do everything they can do to protect themselves and then rely on the government to take that more macro view of the world. So, you know, how they actually provide some of that defence in depth for one of a better description. So government actually sort of works on the outside and consumers work, work in the centre and making sure that, that, that every payment or everything they click on is appropriate and thinking twice before they do that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. How would you advise CFOs who need to explain to a board the cyber risks faced by today's accounts payable teams? How do you get buy-in for stronger security investments or strategies? Yeah, a great question. I think part of the answer is just to keep it simple, to make it um, something everyone can understand. If you look to try to bring some of those examples to life, you know, with near misses from your peers, just so make it real so they can understand it. I'd then try to cover the asymmetric threat, which I think we might have talked about before mm-hmm. with the accounts payable team. So the, the fact, you know, listen to Lazarus Ice, for example, look, listen to what you're up against and then highlight that against the team that you've got whose job it is to pay their bills or to manage their business in the most efficient way possible. Then try to work out some of the costs that would occur that if, if your business was impacted. 
And don't just think about the financial costs, think about any of the other costs, whether it's the downstream costs of your suppliers or downstream costs of your customers. You know, I would recommend using some data from the Australian Signals Directory. Sounds a bit geeky. Mm. I think it's cyber.com, cyber.gov.au, and look at some of their data points. So when you think about that, you know, apparently um, cyber fraud losses increased by 14% last year. I mean, who would want that sort of growth business? Mm. And look at the frauds that they talk about, and they're pretty simple frauds, right? It's email compromise. It's business email compromise and internet banking, right? All these things that we're talking about, it's all related. It's not rocket science. Then think about the consumer lens. So bring a little bit of that in about the the Optus data losses and some of those other data losses we've seen because identity takeover is also related to all of that. And then make sure you've got some sort of budget that helps you articulate what you want to spend to sort of stop this. And I recall, you know, nearly 20 years ago when I first introduced two-factor authentication into banking for ComBank. And the best buy-in we got was from Ralph Norris, the CEO, who sort of understood the problem, helped us come up with a good solution. Even the CEO, he helped us come up with a good solution. But he also understood that there was a, two options. There was do nothing or to lean into the problem. And I think what you'll find is that if you compare to the board, okay, here's what the do nothing option looks like and here's what the lean into the problem solution looks like, I think you get the right level of buy-in. But there's not going to be a sugar hit either. You're not going to get instant instant gratification. What you're going to have to do is recognise that this is going to be an ongoing investment and you're going to have to continue to invest in this over a number of years and, and just make sure you've got that, that mindset as well. Yeah. It's something that you've, you've just got to monitor all the time. As business evolves, so do cyber threats and, you know, cyber criminals and how they conduct their business. 100%. That's why I really talked about a 90-day plan because, you know, let's look at today's problem, let's build a 90-day plan and then in 90 days let's look at it again and what are we going to do differently? What's what's happened that's changed? What have we seen that's changed? What are we going to continue to adopt and adapt? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's some of this management is not rocket science. It's uh, There's lots of tried and tested ways of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, from your extensive experience as the head of digital banking, transformation and performance at Westpac, the global head of digital at Zero, and the general manager of digital banking at CBA, and also your role at NAB, what would be your advice for CFOs who now need to reframe their role due to cybersecurity and, you know, now that they've got to take care of it? There's two parts to the answer. The first part of the answer is to educate yourself as much as possible about the risks involved because with information you at least have some level of equal footing in your conversations. Um, and the second part is just lean into the problem because if you don't lean in, no one else is going to lean in and solve the problem for you. Mm. So you've got to lean in, be educated, lean in, and then just start your plan on how you're going to respond to this. Thank you for joining us today. It was a privilege to have a chat to you about the new strategy and, you know, hear your thoughts from your extensive experience. So we really appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. You're very welcome, Natasha. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of On The Defense. If you'd like to find out more about Fshore and what we do, give us a follow on LinkedIn and other social media channels or visit our website on www.fshore.com.